Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and I am... If you've been following our social media, like Facebook group, Like a Bigfoot, or Instagram, you can tell how ridiculously excited I am for this week's episode. Um, I'm talking to Scott Sears, who is also known as the Antarctic Gurkha, uh, and what he's preparing for is everything that I imagine adventure to be. It's dangerous. It's thrilling. It takes a lot of hard work. It's endurance where you're doing something ridiculously hard day after day after day. Scott is making an attempt to break the record for the youngest person ever to reach the South Pole completely alone, unassisted, and unsupported. That means he's going to be dropped off in Antarctica and he's going to basically cross-country ski for like 680 some miles or a hundred and or a thousand one hundred kilometers while pulling a 200 pound sled behind him with all of his stuff. So everything he needs to stay safe, to be successful, he's pulling with him the whole entire way. And nobody's going to be with him. And this could take basically anywhere from 30 to 60 days. Um, it's amazing. It's an amazing story. His plan is solid. We'll get into his plan for his expedition today. But man, Antarctica is the edge of the earth, first of all, but it's also like the most pure adventure. It's the place where you're having the most pure, epic quest, your craziest adventure you possibly could have. And I am so unbelievably excited to follow his journey as he does this, which you guys should too. Right now, pause the podcast, go to his website, it's Antarctic. Gurkha, which is G-U-R-K-H-A, and we'll talk about what that means because he's also part of the British, uh, he's part of the Royal Gurkha Rifles Battalion in the British Army, um, and his website, first of all, he has a couple of blogs up, and he's a hilarious writer, very open about his fears, um, his experiences in training, uh, like I said, it's 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 fun. Like it's actually really funny, while being inspiring, and keeps you on the edge of your seat because you're just. I mean, dude. Ever since, and by dude, I mean people listening to the podcast. <laughs> but ever since I heard, I talked to him. It was about a week ago. Ever since recording this podcast, I'm just trying to wrap my head around waking up, unpacking camp in the freezing cold freezing cold strapping on a sled behind you of all your stuff and cross-country skiing through just whiteness like complete whiteout or just a complete desolate area i mean he is as far away from civilization as you possibly can get as far away from safety as you possibly can get being an adventurer and 
it just blows my mind. I'm really proud of him. We just, we've had like an hour conversation already. I'm just totally bought into his journey and totally proud of what he's able to, been able to accomplish so far and really excited and inspired about what he's going to accomplish in the future. Uh, before we get into it, just real quick, if you want to check out the other episodes of Like a Bigfoot podcast, you can find us anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, go on iTunes, subscribe. I promise you my goal is that every single week I'm bringing you a guest that is going to bring something into your life. And this is a longer conversation we'll have at the end of the podcast uh, in the outro. But last week, Travis Stefan mentioned the formula learn plus implement is greater than learn plus learn plus learn. And I want to apply it to the podcast because you guys are about to be inspired by Scott. But I want you to think about this this week. Inspired plus implement is greater than inspire, inspire, inspired, inspired, inspired. You know what I mean? Really listen to one story. Listen to what he the kind of taking away points that he brings to you and then see if you can apply those to your life and to your goals and just to your just day to day or even just things you want to accomplish because man, I'm excited to follow this journey. It's going to be great. So Scott, you're the man. I wish you nothing but the best of luck next month. And by next month, I mean November. So if you listen to this later, it's November 2017 was when he's going down there. I wish you nothing but the best luck. And I'm so unbelievably excited to follow your journey and uh, and definitely hear about it when you get back. So once again, you can follow him, Antarctic Gurkha. You can go to his website or while he's in the journey, he's going to be able to post things online and he's uh, going to post to his Instagram account. Uh, which is also Antarctic Gurkha. So definitely check that out. All right. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Stick around at the end. We will have a little bit longer conversation with my friend Brady Manriquez. is going to help me do the outro as we talk about a few learnings that I picked up this week and how I want to implement them. All right, guys. Enjoy. I head off on November 8th now. Okay. Um, so last sort of few weeks um, left to go. Um, sorry, literally, there's a <laughs> the biggest truck ever. He's doing some crazy maneuvers. Yeah. Um, right now around my car. Um, so yeah, so I head off uh, November eighth. I fly down to Chile, um, which is where it starts. Um, sort of the the whole process. I get down there. I've got about five days to to shake out, and you have to get certain foods that you can't take down with you, and you get safety briefs and such from the logistics team. Yeah. Um, and I wait for a weather window basically, um, and then I get on a big, huge, like Aleutian uh, Russian cargo jet that flies, can land on a blue ice runway uh, uh, in Union Glacier, which is like ALE. They're actually based out of Salt Lake City. The logistics company um, have a permanent base there where. Uh, you, they have sort of anyone they fly to the South Pole for tourist stuff. They have like a med center and stuff there. Um, so I land there and I get like a day or two to sort myself out, and then get on a tiny little twin otter plane. They fly me out um, and drop me in Hercules Inlet on the sea ice. Um, so they land there on the skis, chuck me out, um, basically just my sledge, uh, two skis, and then it's 1,100 uh, kilometers 
um, straight south and no resupplies along the way. So I've got everything in my in my sled with me from start to finish. Wow, man. Um, which will be it'll be good fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's been sort of two years in the planning now um, from start to finish. And getting to the start line with these sorts of things is really uh, the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. Are you um, getting so- like... It's like nervous, excited, a little bit of both. Yeah, definitely. I, the funny thing is I never really address the sort of, um, I mean, like the actually, it's such a long process to get into the point to actually get to the almost a stage where you're going to start. It doesn't really, I constantly feel like something's going to go wrong and it won't go ahead because, I mean, it was fully funded twice um, at the end of last year and we had sponsors pull out at the last minute. And it just happens. Everyone who's done it is just told me like the sponsorship side of it. Just it's soul destroying, and it takes all the fun out of it. Like yeah. you just spend hours all day just getting no's, no, 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 and just like not getting responses to emails. Like, I mean, you send out a hundred, and you might get three responses. Like, um, so to finally be that's what I'm most proud of. Really, is just getting to the start line. Yeah. Um, from, yeah, man. From a sort of a stupid idea in a bedroom to. It's actually now almost being ready to go. It's uh, it's exciting. What's a what's a sponsor's reason for saying no? Um, just they get so many requests. Yeah, like they and they you know especially you have to really start thinking outside the box. Like if you write to you know whoever for North Face or something like that or Patagonia and you know saying oh, I'm doing something outdoorsy, can I? Yeah. Can I get, you know, thing they're just going to be like piss off. So you have to go, you have to go rogue. Like I was, I, my first one that I like when I got my first thousand pounds from a thermometer company. Um, so I basically, I saw that there was this big thermometer company in my home County. And I, so I contacted them. That was my first sort of like finally managed to get something out of it. And I started going so quite rogue, like yeah. really thinking every possible angle that you can. Um, you can't just go standard and it's, you just have to tell everyone. Um, the vast majority of my cash came from meeting people face to face. Like once you get face to face, you're, you're half the battles there. Um, so going through people, like actually having to just meet people, tell people cause people do try and help. Yeah. Um, so well, you just have to tell everyone. It's crazy to me cause I have to imagine Patagonia and North face aren't getting, they're not getting like the expedition that you're planning on going on you know like they're not getting emails like hey man i'm going <laughs> to self-support it to the south pole they're probably not getting that all the time right i don't know i don't know but like they people it's brutal like the, to get sponsorship is savage like people they're getting so many requests and they just don't you know you'll send out and you'll think this is it like i've smashed that like that email felt good like i got a good yeah. feeling about that <laughs> and you just never get a response and that's the most annoying thing is now this day and age, people will just send that email so, so easily that you don't get a response. You don't even get no's. You just don't hear back. Yeah. Um, and I actually found that you have to be, you have to be pretty relentless on it. And like, I, I quadruple banged emails to people and, and eventually ended up getting something out of them. And I'll be, this is the darkest bit is I'll be completely honest. My best results came because I, I used to do it all overnight because I was based in Asia and so I'd sit up at night after work from like 10 till two each night. And you, you know, when you send out the same boring email, you don't get it. So I just used to have a couple of beers and get a bit, a bit necky, like a bit edgy. Cause I, you know, I had a couple of beers and that's when my best emails <laughs> came out because I'd be a bit like, do you know what? I'm so over this. And I'd be like backing up like the third time I contacted the same person. And I'd just make a bit of a joke about it and being like, you know, me again, um, I really, you know, I have such full faith that we've gotten right this absurd 
like email because I'd had a beer or two, and then they'd, they'd actually bite and they'd be like, "Yeah, oh, that made us laugh. Like, we'd love to help out." That's awesome, think, man. So. Well, dude, uh, you know, I guess we can get into what your expedition actually is, but I gotta say, just reading your blog, you're a really funny writer. I mean, some of the oh, comments you have are hilarious, man. So I gotta imagine when you're throwing back a few beers and just like saying F it and just writing whatever to sponsors. They're pretty yeah, funny. That's, you have to. Yeah. I, actually, I, I think I was, I was talking about this actually because I'm doing a couple of talks and I get back in January and I'm going to get out my best emails um, just because how ridiculous they got <laughs> at some point. Like it was honestly, some of them could have, they were, they were the one where it was at the end of a, a party to a gin company because we had a we had a big officers mess function like a summer ball type thing and we ran out of gin and i was like i tell you what i'm gonna contact this gin company right now and ask if they'll sponsor the expedition and it was just hideous it's so cringeworthy but i'll probably put them up i think after after the expedition the sponsors are finished that's hilarious man well yeah man can you kind of uh clue us in um obviously i've read your website uh watched a couple Mm. youtube videos and stuff but but honestly, I don't know a whole lot about the expedition other than yeah. it sounds completely badass and, uh, you know, something – they overuse the word epic these days, but for sure yeah. it's an epic adventure. Oh, that's very kind of you. Uh, yeah, very kind. And that's sort of the – so the the whole thing behind it was I was basically um, – I, I was sent out to Asia where we were posting. We were specializing in jungle warfare out there, but – because I, I joined right at the end of the Afghanistan era and uh, in the army. And I wanted that. That was like, like I joined the infantry and I wanted to go out to Afghanistan and I missed it. And I was I was the last ones. Uh, we were the last intake that didn't get sent out there. And so I joined like trying to do this. You know, I wanted to do, you know, some epic adventures and like really sit in. We basically just got stuck training. And yeah. I was like, this yeah. is bollocks. Like I'm just training like every day and we trained for two years and it was cool like you know we were doing some really fun stuff in the jungle and uh, you know it was tough but it was it wasn't like really edge of you know like edge of your endurance it was all very much you know this is an exercise this isn't properly like life and death actually relying on yourself and your decisions which is what i wanted i wanted to see when it the shit really hit the fan like yeah. did i did i have the sort of resilience that i hoped i did and i'll probably find out that i don't and i'm a bit of a softy and but actually getting in that opportunity that that situation where where it is like your decision is is the one that that, that make or breaks it so i basically looked at it and i'd always wanted to do a polar expedition and i'd always wanted to do a solo expedition because especially in the army when you're when you get leaders legs around you and you've got 30 guys who are turning to you and saying like all right what are we doing now boss and you're like okay we'll do this because you you get this energy from nowhere but when you're by yourself and like no one's looking you actually really see the dark sides of your character and that's what i wanted to do is i wanted to actually come out the other side and be like yeah like i did this in that scenario i wasn't that great there and so that's how i settled on like solo to the south pole it wasn't um necessarily you know, uh, when I was younger, I was always interested in it, but it hasn't been burning like right South Pole by myself from the yeah. age of 10. Um, it's just the most miserable journey you can do, I think. <laughs> what uh, what made you obsessed with the South Pole when you were younger or like interested in it, maybe not obsessed? Because, yeah, because I'd, basically I read uh, quite a lot and I like, I really, all the polar from the like golden age of polar exploration, you know, in the early 1900s, like the, those are the savage years of guys you know yeah. like having to eat their shoelaces and real men like oh, real dude. real gnarly dudes <laughs> yeah. like they were doing some chaos things 
And I was like, oh, that's that's. And even in the last 30 years, like Ranulph Fiennes, who's like our best explorer, like you read the stuff he was doing, he sawed off his own fingers after he got frostbite and things like that. And you're like, these guys are nails. Like they are nails. Yeah. And in mountaineering and stuff like that, you get these epic stories, but it's always in teams and it's not as mentally destroying as the polar regions are because the polar regions just break you down physically mentally emotionally to just a complete mess and so for me that's the toughest i think it's the toughest sort of thing you can do um and i think this is a once in a lifetime sort of thing um especially after seeing how, how much it takes to raise the sponsorship that i wanted to do like one huge like if i never managed to organize something else again i managed to at least sort of hit for me i think the mother load in terms of solo solo journeys yeah well we've had uh some people on the podcast that have talked about like the like isolation you know i had this guy he was in the wilderness for like 50 days by himself have you had any experience with that like how long have you gone without being around other people i guess yeah so like in march for example i did two weeks in the arctic by myself um and which was in svalbard which was uh which was interesting it's very different from antarctica mainly because of the polar bears like that's it sounds ridiculous but the actual whole thing by myself was okay but the polar bear constant threat was when you're by yourself and you put up you know like a tripwire fence at night but you're just thinking i don't know if that's really going to go off it's like a norwegian surplus army trip flare and i'm like you know what like that's got about as much belief that that's going to go off (laughs) and i slept on the glacier where this british schoolboy got eaten by a polar bear a couple of years ago and it was like it was relentlessly in the back of my head yeah. that these polar bears and for two weeks it was it was the polar bear thing that got me more than anything else and um, because I was by myself and it was it's a very highly uh, populated polar bear region yeah um, and it was tough but the uh, I've always liked being by myself like I used to go camping kind of weirdly by myself as a teenager like go out um, and I think it's good to be by yourself probably not to that extent but um it does people yeah it'll be an interesting experience you're gonna learn a whole bunch just about yourself absolutely yeah yeah how long are you yeah how long are you expecting this to take it can be it's so weather dependent that it could literally be anywhere from my lowest time i think is 38 days i'm taking 50 days worth of supplies so i got 50 days worth of supplies and logistical support um, so it could be anywhere, I think from 38 to 50. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Um, wow, man. Do you like when you're up, uh, North pole, like did, did the loneliness or I don't know. I just, I'm trying to wrap my head around one, just being by yourself, but also being yeah. by yourself. So re- ridiculously far away from civilization. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that when I'm in the tent, for example, at night, cause you're doing jobs the whole time. You're like, you know you've got to melt the ice doing that it was fine when you the skiing when no visual stimulation like when it's just white because i had quite a lot of whiteouts when i meant it's like you're in the inside of a ping pong ball yeah. and it's actually i can't really explain how disorientating it is where you don't really know where's up where's down and you get really dizzy and there when i was remember skiing i was like okay and when i didn't i did a bit without music or anything or podcasts or anything like that and I, you know, I'd ski and I'd genuinely be like, okay, that's got to be like an hour, you know, hour and 15 minutes. And you'd look down and be like, that was seven minutes. And you're like, that can't, yeah, you're like, that can't be right. Like, that cannot be right. 
and genuinely thought like I've just banged out an hour that that's easily an hour and it's not even 10 minutes. Um, and that sort of stuff is, I think the skiing is the toughest bit by yourself in the tent. You're busy and you've got stuff to do like, and I've got jobs and tasks I need to do it, but it is literally just one foot in front of the other for 12 to 14 hours a day, looking at white snow in front of you, which I think takes the most toll and people get completely. So Felicity Ashton, who is a, British um, uh, female explorer who skied across Antarctica and it took her, I think it was 70 days by herself. Wow. She got to the point where, A, she was so nervous about whiteouts and so, like, just didn't want to be in that. She started talking to the sun and completely was having full-blown conversations with the sun. Like, the sun was answering back and, like, she felt she had this really fickle relationship with the sun where if she didn't say thank you every time she saw the sun like she'd get a white out the next day and she was convinced that the sun would take it out on her. And even when she got back, she'd like come out of her house in London. And if it was a nice day, she felt like she had to like say thank you yeah. to the sun. Like people completely, you know, losing the plot. Like it's mental. It is mental. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's definitely that losing a bit. Like, I mean, <laughs> what else? At, at first it probably starts as like just killing time, you know? Yeah, after like, a while, well, I'll talk. Yeah, I'll talk to the sun, and then before you know it, you're like full blown having a conversation about their life. Uh, how do you avoid whiteouts, though? I mean, is there any avoiding them, or you just have to like, hey, no, no, it's literally you just take them. Yeah. You just got to take them on the chin. You'll get like, I think three out of every five days. Hopefully, are okay weather, but you know, on average, you're getting two out of every five are going to be whiteouts. Wow. Yeah. So you're mostly in a whiteout situation. A lot of the time. Uh, but you could say that you could get a week or a week and a half of great weather in a row and you make unbelievable progress. But yeah. when the weather's crap, you're lucky, you know, if you're getting six or seven miles a day in bad weather. Like there's guys who have done a mile, two miles a day skiing for like 12 hours. Like they're barely shifting. Uh, you know, they're shifting a couple of inches at a time because the slows, uh, the sled, the sled is getting caught up in the snow and it can be hideous. And that's yeah. when I think probably the, those are the hard days. Everyone, you know, skiing on a good day is fine. You know, a lot of people can do that. So um, it'll be the tough ones, uh, which will be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man. What uh, What's a little bit of your background? I mean, you're called the Antarctic Gurkha. Am I saying that right? Yeah. So so I, I serve in the Royal Gurkha Rifles. So the Gurkhas are we're a 200-year-old regiment and all my soldiers are from Nepal. So we basically, back in the days, British fought this, you know, big battle with the the nepalese when they, we used to control india and they had this like savage fight and they basically came together at the end they were like look you guys are pretty nails and they're like you guys are nails too like do you want to come fight for us like it's mutual respect <laughs> yeah and they were like yeah sure and it's lasted for 200 years um and so we still go out and they are absolutely like the cream of the crop like they're our best soldiers by mile because we go into the himalayas and we run these recruiting um uh cycles each year and we used to get 30,000 guys turn up uh, wow. to try and get in. And we still, we've made it more difficult in terms of like, you need a passport, you need to be birth certificate, but we still get 9,000 guys turn up and we take 200. And they're these gnarly, like five foot one, savage, like hill boys who are like cold blooded, absolute, the nicest guys in the world. Yeah. Yet they are, when it comes down to it, absolutely nails. So I'm very lucky that I serve alongside them. Uh, and I've been doing that for the last uh, three years. Yeah. Um, out in Brunei in the jungle. So I did all the jungle warfare stuff there. Before that, I was trying to be a tennis player. Um, <laughs> didn't didn't crack it, unfortunately. But I played college tennis for four years. 
um, and yeah, so that was sort of the route in. Nice. So, yeah, tennis player to badass soldier. I mean, normal. Well, no, I think tennis player to surrounded by badass soldiers, <laughs> sort of trying to pretend, trying to pretend like I'm one of them. Yeah. What's their <laughs> training like, man? What is that? I mean, oh. to go from that many people to such a like elite group, what is that training yeah. like? Yeah. So the the recruiting process they do. So they first all do it. We split the country into two, east and west, and they go to a regional selection where it's. You know, it's stuff like, um, you know, basic uh, fitness tests and maths and English tests. And they come to the central selection. It lasts a couple of weeks and they do all these fitness tests, you know, like uh, maximum heaves and push-ups and mile and a half to two mile sprints. And they do this very famous race called the Doko race. So in uh, Nepal, it's like a basket with a strap that goes around your head and you, it goes on your back. Okay. And they what they carry all the weight on their forehead with this, this band. And there's a mountain behind the camp there. That they basically race up, and it's four kilometers up. And they they sprint up this hill, and they basically race uh, with weight sport. on their head. With yeah, so it's twenty five kilos, twenty five kilos. Um, and and they do, it. and I basically every officer has to do it. And I went out, and I did it um, with them, and it's the worst thing I've ever done. Like it's <laughs> it's so hideous, I can't even explain. Uh, it's like straight uphill, and from about twenty yards out, it's complete agony. Like your lungs. <laughs> Your lungs are like dying, and you just get overtaken by this like five foot Gurkha and like old trainers, and I'm like a foot taller than him, and he's just completely smoking me up this hill. Um, they're nails; they're absolute legends. Yeah, man. Wow. So, so yeah. I mean, what what are you gonna take from your experience working with them um, to your expedition? Yeah, um, it's for me. The funny thing is, everyone's like, "Oh, like you were doing planning for it in." Brunei, like this, is like not great training. When actually, everything you do in the jungle is completely transferable to to the polar regions. It's just the complete opposite, where it's extreme heat to extreme cold. But it's personal administration and looking after your body and following, you know, basics and doing the basics well. And being able to operate in a jungle in a tactical scenario in pitch like pitch black and doing everything by feel and a process is completely the same as when. You all of a sudden you're knackered at the end of the day and you're having to put up a tent in you know 60 mile an hour winds and it is like right sleds down attaching that and you're just following a process very methodically and it was complete i found like when i went on with a couple of guides at the start and it was a just not having to do it in a tactical scenario where you can completely like zone out and you just you know you're throwing all your kit in a tent versus when you put down a bag in the jungle in the middle of the night and it's like you can't see the hand in front of your face, you can't, you have to put that back before you can take anything else out. It was quite nice being able to just do it where you, oh, right, the tent's up now, I'll just launch all my bags in there and yeah. not worry about, you know, the tactical side of it. So the skills were completely transferable, um, 100%. So it's actually been, it's been a quite a, a quick learning curve, which has been useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, okay, so... You're going to get down there in like a month, which is yeah, so crazy. That's <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the guys are going to just drop you off at yeah. the, hold on, I wrote it down, the uh, Hercules Inlet. Yeah. So that's my start point, okay. uh, which is basically, it's, it's the ocean. It's like a, you know, like a bay, if you like, which is frozen. Yeah. How far? So I'm like, I've read a few uh, South Pole books and stuff like that. So yeah. how far is that from, I, I guess the famous one is Shackleton. So how yeah. far is that from like where he was kind of iced in? And... Yeah. So if you're looking at it like a, a globe, like a, a map, like when you see the flat map, and if so, Hercules Inlet is basically at the north of that. that okay. If you're looking at Antarctica on a map, 
Shackleton came from the other side, um, essentially, so sort of bottom left. Okay. And came across sort of down, and that's um, sort of the, the famous route, which is people are trying to now do. Henry Worsley, who's a British um, ex-military um, chap, who's a, he's a great, amazing guy, and he unfortunately died just, I think, 60 miles short of finishing that journey, being the first person to do it alone and unsupported like he almost got there and he was uh he unfortunately got sick and died yeah um, but he's a very very uh incredible guy and so i mean that journey doing across antarctica is a whole new ball game like thankfully i, I get picked up at the pole like i'm doing half a job really oh um, so you get picked up there yeah so i get because oh, cool. i basically because i'm doing it in in leave like holiday leave time so i've been given an extra couple of weeks off but i can't really afford to spend um yeah, more than a, a month and a bit down there. How do you tell your boss, like, hey, uh, can I have a couple, <laughs> couple more <laughs> it weeks? It was so right. I was like, I was like, I was like, I don't even know how to start this. And you have to go like, up the chain of command. It goes all the way up from like yeah. my one-up boss, like my company commander. And then it's like, right, we well, got to tell like the commanding officer. And then you've got to tell the <laughs> colonel of the regiment. And you got to send the brigadier. And like before you know it, I'm sitting at like the Ministry of Defence in London. <laughs> like briefing like a brigadier being like so you're gonna do what and i'm like yeah like that's the plan he's like oh, for <laughs> he's like most people just rest during their break you know yeah he was, yeah it was, and it's bad if it's like if something goes 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 tits up it doesn't look great so there's, there's had to be a whole risk assessment process and all that which thankfully they've approved yeah so you had to like basically prove to them that you weren't just like hey i planned this two weeks ago now i'm going down there yeah, yeah, no, they were they were pretty thorough and being like, we need to ensure that you know like what you're doing here and that yeah. you've got everything in place. Um, and it very much had a, a sort of a military precision side to it that they insisted on, which was good. It was good to have um, you know that Overwatch making sure that I was doing everything right. Yeah, it probably br- like brought up some things for you to think about that made like yeah. did it bring up anything that you're like, oh crap, I should consider that. 100% actually in terms of just like the communication back home with them because they were like right if something goes wrong like how are you letting us know etc um, so yeah some dark stuff as well like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that they have they're used to considering because they have to like repatriation of your body if something goes wrong and like yeah. they're like how are you going to do that and who's your point of contact um, which is good to have that you know they consider that because they, they've had to do it very sadly unfortunately for people in the past um, yeah. so there was that whole side it's been good to have that How'd you go about proving to them? Like, I mean, do you have to do any like physical tests or was it all you explaining to them? Kind yes, of like for, for me, just because the Gurkhas, like they, because oh, they are the fittest we've got, yeah. we have to, you know, if you're, if we're lucky enough to serve them, we have to do it. So the fitness side was never really um, something they're worried about. It was more just like, right, the technical knowledge, the experience. And I did basically just gave them a brief of everything I've done in the last two years. I showed them the entire like casualty evacuation chain the medical support that I've got, you know, backing them, backing me up and what would happen and every scenario sort of how it would be dealt with. And that, I think that filled them with a bit more confidence um, when I sort of showed them what yeah. would happen. Yeah, man. So um, I guess just based off the description on your website, the first couple days sound like they have the potential to be pretty treacherous. What, uh, yeah. what are those obstacles and how are you going to handle them? Yeah, so the first couple of days is my most dangerous because it's when it's most heavily crevassed. Um, and so I've basically got extra long skis. My skis are about 210 centimetres to try and spread my weight across the snow as much as possible. And I've got a predetermined route through waypoints from people the last couple of years, like routes. Obviously, the ice changes all the time. Yeah. But they've um, basically, you know, we can identify through aerial photography and satellite imagery, etc., the really 
where you can see visual crevasse, you know, fields. So my, my, my route takes me around the most dangerous areas. Obviously, there's only so much you can do. And there is that, you know, 20%, 10%, whatever it is, chance that I might, you know, you can spread your weight as much as you want. But if you, you happen to walk over uh, an area that looks perfectly fine, it's actually an inch of, you know, an inch of snow over a hundred meter deep crevasse, then that's just the risk you have to tolerate um, yeah. and sort of do my best. And if I do fall in, then I have like a comms get every day with the logistics company that I have to let them know. I call at a certain time, let them know where I am, you know, what I've done that day, what I'm doing the next day. And if I, they have someone 24 hour monitoring uh, my, you know, GPS that I have on me at all times. And if they saw, for example, like, okay, Scott missed his comms get at six o'clock this afternoon. And at 2 PM, he was going through uh, a known crevasse area and he stopped moving and he hasn't moved for seven hours they'll be like, he's fallen in a crevasse and they would make the decision probably to send a rescue team. But if they looked at my GPS and it was like, okay, he was moving and he stopped and, you know, didn't made camp at the time he would and he didn't call us and then he started moving the next day, but he still hasn't called us. He's obviously just completely spaced it and not forgotten to call us. So yeah. there is a big team in the background who are monitoring things. Good. Yeah, man. What, uh, that, that's actually like probably pretty good to know that that is going on. Yeah. Um, like just mentally like you know you kind of want to make sure you're not just i guess freaking out the whole time yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> no it's good and the, and the thing is that they i mean they're so experienced in this the logistics team and they have everyone like they have guides and they have doctors so for example my medical kit if i'm like look i'm waking up every morning and i'm you know my head's thumping and they're like, okay well they know exactly what i've got in my medical kit and they'll give me that medical advice and treatment over the phone and I have the ability to upload pictures to them. If I'm like, look, my toe's gone black. Like, is this frostbite or is this, you know, whatever. I can send them a picture and they'd be like, right, you need to stop right now. Yeah. Um, and they have the ultimate um, authority over it. So if they look at me and I'm covering a mile a day for 40 days, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to make up the last 600 miles in the last week. <laughs> they're going to be like, no, like, we're pulling the plug. We're coming to pick you up. Like, yeah. you're done. Yeah. Um, how, how, so long, to have that. how long of a journey is it, like, total? 1,100 kilometers. Okay. Um, so yeah so about 700 and so miles okay oh yeah and you said on your website that's like going from london to the czech republic to the czech republic yeah 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 Yeah, man well (laughs) what uh what can you give us an idea of what self-supported means uh for an antarctic expedition yeah yeah sure so there's loads so many categories and things like that yeah so i'm so unassisted uh basically means i i can't use kites you know so to drag me along people do that and they make up hundreds of miles in a day like it's amazing how fast you can go so nothing like that I, everything is man hauling so i have to drag everything myself yeah um, and unsupported means that there's no caches being laid ahead for me to pick up so i have to take everything from start to finish i can't take 20 days rations and then pick up 20 days more rations halfway along etc yeah what uh how much weight is that then on your sled uh it's about uh 100 kilos probably in total by the end so in pounds um 2.2 it's over 200 pounds so about 250 pounds probably oh man so you're gonna start off and that's so heavy and then as you go it obviously gets lighter and lighter yeah and lighter. absolutely and the, the problem is the first couple of days you go up about 1900 feet and it's the okay. steepest most difficult part when your sled's the heaviest yeah um and that, that's that initial bit once you get up onto the plateau um you know when the sled's the heaviest and then it's okay and then you get to like the 89 uh, line last year the last sort of um stretch to go and it's what's called sastrugi which is 
basically huge ridges cut into the ice from the, the wind. So there's, they can be, you know, anywhere up to about 10 feet or, you know, they can be a couple of feet. But the problem is, even when they're just a foot high, the sled's not going nice and smoothly. It's like constantly having to pull it over ridges. And that apparently is the, one of the worst stretches because you're towards the end of the journey yeah. there, your body's broken down and all of a sudden it's like like every 20 meters your sled's flipping over and you have to walk back, flip it upright, go back. Oh, it's flipped again. It just really breaks you down mentally. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a... Man, I'm just trying to like... Have you... Can you even like wrap your head around the scenery and the kind of terrain you're going to be going over yet? I mean, or is that yeah. something like... Until you get there, you can't even imagine it. From all I, everything I've heard, so I, again, this is what's bizarre about it, is I've never been to Antarctica before. Yeah. It sounds ridiculous to try and do something um, like this without having ever been there. But, you know, when I was in Svalbard, so in the Arctic Circle, it was so beautiful, but there were still mountains within a relatively close different, uh, you know, distance. It wasn't that, that expanse where you can literally see the curvature of the Earth. It's that, you know, that huge. And the thing that people say the most is when you're flying out there on the little plane and you're looking there and you're just thinking, oh my God, like I've got to ski across that. Like, you know, as far as you can see, just surrounded by white. It's the same as when you're, you know, like flying between Europe and America and you're over the Atlantic Ocean. You just think, God, that, that is huge. Yeah. Um, and seeing that and then realizing you've got to cover it on foot um, and how far it is until people, um, I think it'll probably be completely terrifying. And I've heard some some people like when they're there and they're sitting there, and they're flying to get off and they're just like, I'm not getting off. Like, I'm yeah. not getting off this plane. Like, And then somehow they just sort of get there and they're like, okay, this is you. And you're like, okay, great. And they like chuck you out the side and you just go, I'm not getting off. I'm not getting off. I'm not getting off. How are you going to handle those off. situations, man? Like, I mean, are you worried about that? I mean, you seem obviously like a very adventurous guy, but. I, I, I think I'll be terrified. And yeah. I think that's only too right. And um, uh, I, <laughs> but I think again, yeah, it's just going through the process and actually, when I've been, you know, like being scared before and you just, you just sort of, you, you let your mind have, how I prefer to deal with it is you let the mind have the conversation if you like, whilst your body's going through the motion. So before you know it, you've committed to it and it's like, oh, you're still terrified, but oh, the plane's taken off. So you've got no option now but to walk. Yeah. Um, and I do quite a lot of like, so what? So that's my big one for me that helps, uh, helps rationalize fear a lot. So, you know, okay, you're walking along, you might fall in a crevasse, and it's like, okay, so what? It's like, all right, well, you might be in there, and you might have a broken leg, and it's like, okay, that'll hurt, but, you know, so what? You might, you know, and it gets down to the point where it's like, okay, so what? You might die. And then you have a bit of a conversation with yourself, you know, whether you're religious or not, whether if you're religious, then you believe whatever happens afterwards. If you're not religious, then actually you're like, so what? Like, yeah. the lights go off and you're dead. And then that sort of a very twisted yeah, yeah. way of how I, how I rationalize it, because it's just... You just so what it, and each stage you you get a relative bit of calm where you're like actually, you know, breaking leg I can deal with that. Okay, so what? And it's just it helps you be calm about it. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I love that. That's uh, you know, it's funny you you talk to people and you're kind of like, what's the mantra that gets you through it? And it's something as simple as so what, but it makes yes. complete sense. <laughs> yeah, because you it's the well the anticipation of pain and or or death itself is what's more terrifying than actually yeah. being in pain. Like it's being scared of the pain. So just really accepting that I think is going to be, but I'm saying that I'll get there and I'll be completely flapping. I'll be like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, this is terrible. And it'll be all over the place. But it's good. I like the idea of like, even though you're having that conversation, your body's still doing the steps that get Going you off the, motions, the plane. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was thinking this morning, I was like, yeah, I was thinking about the idea of dread. 
you know, like where you're dreading something that it's yeah. funny because it may or may not happen for the most part because dread is a emotion based in the future. And it's like this thing might not even happen. But right now I'm like stressing myself out about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the sort of thing that so what for me, that same approach for stuff when it's like with work, if something's, you know, something's going to go tits up and it's like, oh, my God, like, and they're going to be like, so what? They'll be like, oh, you completely screwed up there. And you're like, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah and that's really worse it's gonna happen yeah. like yeah so they'll call you an idiot like that's it so it kind of works in a lot of settings i yeah, think man. how uh how old are you man because is... i'm 27 now okay. i'm 27 what's the previous yeah. youngest person to do this uh 29 in about 300 or so days so just okay. under his 30th birthday i think okay cool so you got two years to do it <laughs> yeah i've got a backup i got fudge factors so if it all goes tits up i can cut i can come back next year and have another pop no you got this man uh i was just wondering because i'm like man that's gonna this experience is gonna serve you the rest of your life because you're gonna learn so many things like that i mean even like stressing about work the rest of your life you're gonna be like yeah, man, I'm stressed about work, but remember when I was in Antarctica? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, actually, yeah, this isn't so bad that I haven't done that spreadsheet. Like, I can do this. Yeah, right. it'll put um, things into yeah, perspective for you, you know? I hope so, I hope so. And, um, you know, I think for me, a big one, especially like being in the Army, that why I like to do these sorts of things is because you appreciate just the joy of being inside or like, you know, going to a tap and getting a glass of water rather than having to boil you know two pots worth of snow to have a glass of water like yeah. and every time i've been out like out in the jungle or out on exercise you come back in you're like oh my god like a mattress oh it's and the little things so hopefully that will drag on for a while after this where it's just the joy of being the simple things in life and it sort of gives you a bit of uh, perspective um about how lucky how lucky i am in, in so many parts of my life yeah definitely what uh what are your family and friends what do they think about this whole <laughs> deal yeah not not that pumped about it i'll be honest the family weren't that excited um <laughs> where i told it and i uh bless her, my girlfriend's had a chill. i feel so bad for her like uh, when i first I, I didn't really go about it the best way when i sort of told her she's like what are you doing i was like oh i'm just sort of emailing some people like what for i was like oh, i might like try and go to the south pole and she's like what um so like for anyone like planning to do it I'll definitely run it past your girlfriend first um, and just sort of see how she takes it rather than just being like, oh, I'm planning on doing this. But um, thankfully, you know, two years, she's still, she's still floating around um, <laughs> and she stopped by it. But uh, yeah, the, my mum was completely not amused and sort of they just, I think for about a year, they just ignored it and sort of hoped that it wasn't going to happen. And then I think in the last month where it was like, oh, he's booked flights, like, oh, he's sort of, you know, f finished raising the money and stuff. They've sort of had to... Uh, had to accept that it's going ahead yeah how's your mom gonna handle it like is she gonna be on the internet refreshing oh, like the gps or oh, whatever i don't think you could call it handling it i don't think she even will handle it she freaks out like when i'm out like with work like when i'm when i'm not around which is so she'll be uh yeah, she'll be complete carnage for for the whole whole month. You're gonna have to get her like the nicest present when you get back. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like I, I don't. I'm not even gonna be able to afford the kind of present that I need to get them. Like to say sorry for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not in the same spectrum of what they deserve. I don't think. That's awesome, man. What uh, what's your training been like? I mean, how do you train for something this extreme? You know, besides obviously the army training, because you know yeah, that's going to be a huge part. I have to imagine. The uh, the only thing that I've done particularly different is just because I'm we're light infantry, so we have to carry everything you know with us. So 
you know, for example, in the next couple of weeks, I'm still working right up until I think two, well, the day before I leave and we're out, you know, covering 60 kilometers in this patrolling competition, like right before we leave with, you know, I think we've got 55 or 60 kilos on our backs, which is a lot of weight. So actually getting used to that is something that I have to do every day with work. So the only thing that I've done slightly out of the ordinary is just the dragging of tires um, just to get, because it is a completely new set of muscles and it is um, really quite relentless and it's it's tedious. So just doing that, and I, I've done quite a lot of long distance running. So the mental side of doing something tedious is, is, is I have a little bit of experience in it anyway in the past and um, doing some ultras and things. Yeah. So I've actually not done anything that outrageous out of the ordinary apart from just dragging tires because it's the most similar movement I could get. Yeah. 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 Do you get weird looks dragging tires through the streets or? Oh yeah. Like people. And it's so like, I just put the headphones in I can see them asking, but I'm like, if I stop every time someone goes like, what the hell are you doing? I you wouldn't get sign. anywhere. You just need a sign. Yeah, I know people <laughs> do do it. I, I, I was just really bad. I didn't put a sign up just to be like, Oh, by the way, I'm training for this. So people kept asking and people are quite worried at some point as well. Like, this guy's lost it. Well then, I mean, I have to assume if you stop and actually tell people like, Hey, I'm, I'm training to do an unsupported journey to the South pole. They'd be like, uh, excuse me now. And then you have to talk for yeah. like 15 more minutes, you know, it just, they just get really concerned. Look, although, although everyone seems to be related to Shackleton though, they're all like, Oh, my great, great grandfather. Like, really? <laughs> like, that's the fifth person I met that was related to Shackleton. That's um, how I like, that's how I like to imagine in Great Britain. Just like yeah, everybody's yeah, related is. to Shackleton. Yeah, there's about seven of us here, and we all sort of know each other. It's how it works. And everyone's kind of related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, I mean, so you've read the story of Shackleton, obviously. Um, you know, I just, I've just loved the idea of going to uh, South Georgia. I think that, for yeah. whatever reason, I think that country looks so beautiful. And just imagining that as the end of a epic quest, you know? Yeah. It's a, I think it's a. It would be a pretty special place. It's gravestones. There, obviously, it's better, so it would be amazing to see it. Yeah. Um. And, but the, that era is nothing. I could. I can never even try and be compared to the hardships they went through. Like it was a different breed of human. I think at that time, like what they were going through, and just in every sense, I have no no like point of reference of how how nails they were. Like yeah. it's a joke. Like yeah, the yeah. stuff they did. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, you're definitely putting yourself up there, though, on oh, getting so. an I idea, mean, though. Getting an idea. Child, child's play compared to what they did yeah. like well, yeah. in, the, in the kit we have these days. It's, it's, uh, I can't imagine it. Yeah. What, uh, what other obstacles are you expecting to face besides just the tre- treacherous terrain and then the whole tre- having to pull a sled that tips over yeah. and the whiteouts? Like, um, is there anything else that's really a concern? The weight loss is a big one. Um, okay. So, yeah. like sitting now, we're burning, you know, about three thousand calories just to keep us alive. Um, down there per day, I'm probably burning between seven and nine thousand calories a day. And the problem is, like the human body can only really consume about six thousand calories, even if you ate five hundred cheeseburgers in a day. Like you would only be able to get six thousand of those calories in. So, no matter what, every single day, I've got a deficit of it's almost three thousand calories in yeah. itself, and that just in terms of repairing your body and the stress that it goes through and the health unfortunately like the health complications that you can get you know ill and infections and stuff going on in your insides and stuff um so fingers crossed i've got a very good sort of nutrition plan and um i've been quite lucky in that and good food food sponsors and such so i really hope that that won't be a factor but no matter what i'll be coming back uh with a slightly smaller waist i think than i started with yeah what uh what 
what kind of food are you are you planning on eating though? Yeah, so in the morning uh, and night, I basically eat two dehydrated meals. So exactly, pretty similar to what you'd find in REI. You know, like a um, freeze-dried meal you add water to. And then the thing is, during the day, I can't stop for more than a couple of minutes at a time to drink water and, and snacks. So you basically just eat snacks throughout the day. I have a big bag of the highest calorie substances known to man. So things like salamis, dried meat, chocolate, butter, um, cheese, uh, high-fat nuts. And you just take you know mouthfuls of that throughout the day um, and that's it. You can't stop to have another meal. So you just have to keep snacking. Do you have like a timer? I mean, are you doing this every hour or... Or just going off of hunger, or can you just not go off of hunger because you might not be hungry? Yeah, so I do it basically on sessions. So when okay. I wake up in the morning, um, sort of the routine would be wake up um, around six or seven. It's not undecided yet once I get there, and it takes two hours basically to melt my water, sort everything out for the day, and hopefully that gets quicker as I go along, but break camp and such. Um, so by eight or nine, I'm on my way, and the first session of the day will be my longest one, just because you know it's the novelty of being out. I'll ski for two hours before I then stop for five minutes. Up to five minutes is the max. Have a drink of water um, and a quick snack, and that's it. And then after that, I'll be going in 90 minutes after, afterwards. Uh, every 90 minutes, I'll stop, have a drink of water, uh, have a snack, and then carry on 90 minutes, two minutes, snack, and then carry on uh, until the end of the day. And uh, the first few days, I'll only do you know, eight or nine hours um, to sort of get my rhythm. And then after that, I'm hoping to up it up to 10, 12. And as it gets lighter, 14 hours um, towards the end. Yeah, that rocks. Are you listening to music at the time? Like, how are you keeping yourself motivated mentally? Yeah, so a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot lot of of music, a lot of country music, my Idaho roots, so straight Eric Church for yeah. probably the first two weeks. Um, <laughs> and then after that, yeah, podcasts and audio books. Yeah. I'll probably like redo the whole Harry Potter series just because I'm like a nineties baby, so I'll bang those out. <laughs> yeah. Um everything. Like there's probably nothing. I'll be so sick of it by the end. But it's it's a genuinely I did as a test when I was in Norway at the start of the year. I didn't have long enough because I could only get a week off. I had five days and I was like, I need to try and recreate like the boredom of this. So I instead of doing an A to B, I did a circuit. Okay. And I just decided I'm going to ski in a circuit really boringly for five days. And I tried quite a few hours of it without music. And it's it's insane. Like, I don't, doing it without music again, it's such a simple thing where you just, you think now, like, yeah, you get an iPod, but, you know, 20 years ago, people couldn't do it. They, they were doing it silently, which is, it's a complete, for me, it's a complete, like, game changer yeah. doing it with no music because it's, the, the time stands still you're like like i said before like that's got to be an hour and you look at your watch it's like you've been skiing for five minutes if that yeah um and thankfully you know it's the, the audio books and things really help yeah yeah i have to imagine that i mean that's definitely a way to keep yourself kind of i don't want to say distracted because you're obviously probably going through a big checklist in your head while you're going but but uh, distracted is a good word though for it. you need to yeah get lost in your own thoughts so that actually you go oh oh wow i've got 10 minutes left until my next snack yeah. like you need to get you need to be able to get lost in your own head yeah you mentioned only stopping for five minutes why is that is it just the cold or yeah you just get you just get way too cold and also it adds up so you know if you're doing nine sessions in a day by the end of the day you're looking at almost an hour that you've not been moving and when you do that over a week that you know it's, it adds up to days by the end that you've sat sitting like when you're not moving you're not getting any closer to the pole so you have to be quite rigid in the in your in your in your timings 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, I mean, what, how long does it take you to set up camp and like how long does that process take? So basically, I leave, so my sled's two meters long. So my poles are taped together, um, is in, you know, the sections of the, of the tent pole and they stay in the tent. So each day I literally just take it down and roll it into a big long sausage that's like, you know, 1.9 meters long. And then I just slide it straight in my, my sled. Okay. So everything is done to make things quicker. Like every second you can you save is more time you're in your sleeping bag. So I literally get it out, roll it out, peg it down, pop up things. So it takes, by the time I've been out there, it takes a few days to get back into it each time I've gone out. But, you know, it's up and ready to go. And I'm in, in the tent within sort of 10 minutes or so if that's it's awesome. just the just the sled. But when it's windy and in Antarctica, I'll have to do it every night. It's building up a snow wall around it because the storms that can just come out of nowhere. Um, so building up a nice snow wall and direction of the wind to give a bit of extra protection will take obviously a bit of time. But once the sled's up, at least you can just chuck everything in there and you've got a place to warm up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, you know, I don't want to take you too too much longer tonight. Oh, no worries at all. What, uh, what else do you – I mean, do you have any other, like, big piece of advice if anyone wants to – maybe not take on anything this extreme but you know in their own lives whatever their goals that they're chasing are after do you have any any tips for them yeah i was thinking about this recently like about getting it because i for so long i would see people doing it, i was like that's so cool like i'd love to do that and i thought like why am i not like why am i not doing those things that i wanted to do and for me that really tipped me over the edge it was sort of three things that i had to do to, to follow through on it was first of all, the two things that are more important, well, three things that are so important to people is A, their time, you know, B, their money, and then C, like their reputation, what people think about them. So if you put those all on the line for something, <laughs> you're going to follow through on it. So like I sat, for example, when leave, when I was based in Asia and my girlfriend was in, um, in, the, in the UK, I basically had this, I had to decide like, right, am I going to spend this summer leave? And I hadn't seen her for four months going now to do my first training trip and I committed to it and I spent two weeks and I only got to spend a week with her in a, you know like an eight month period and it was like right I've sacrificed like my most important asset time and money because I had to pay for it myself because I didn't have any sponsors yet so then there was actually oh I can't turn back now like I've, I've given up my leave and x you know amount of cash so that made me really that gave me the impetus to really follow through on it and then the last point was you start telling people and if they if you go like yeah i'm going to the south pole and then you see them six months later and they're like how's the south pole thing going you're like oh i, I packed it in yeah it's, it's embarrassing to you so it's it's quite a savage way to go around it but it really will um you know you don't when you don't give yourself the option to turn back um so i'm not saying people should start like selling their houses and putting all their money into a plan <laughs> but if you put even if it's just a bit yeah of your own money before you start asking for other people's money you should always put a bit of your own money sacrifice your time and you'll it will give you that motivation to follow through on it yeah definitely man well hey best of luck i mean i Thanks would love is. i would love to talk to you when you get back that'd be amazing yeah, i'd love to hear the story um how can we how can we follow follow your journey so yeah absolutely so on all social media instagram sort of my biggest one because i think it's so easy to be able to really show a story through pictures so antarctic underscore gurkha is the instagram it's the same sort of on facebook and twitter and then on the website, AntarcticGurkha.com, you know, each day all the stuff will be going up on there anyway when I'm out there. There'll be a map where you can follow along and see exactly how slowly I am moving um, and probably just deteriorating pictures of my face going up on the Instagram for about a month and a half. So, yeah, uh, yeah social media and that's the best way to go. I'll be updating it every day. 
All right. I love it, Scott. And yeah, man, right. dude, I'm so honored. Thank you so much for oh, talking no, to me. Thanks so much for getting in touch, Chris. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good one. Take it easy. Cheers, Mike. Enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you. I'll try. Yeah, bye. That was Scott Sears, the Antarctic Gurkha. And once again, just huge thanks to Scott and nothing but good vibes for him. Uh, you know, when he starts his quest in a couple weeks, I mean, it's insane. I'm looking forward to it. Follow him on Instagram, follow him on his website uh, at Antarctic Gurkha, G U R K H A. And we have Brady Manriquez here to help me do the outro because. We were just talking on the phone and I was like, I wish I had someone to do the outro. And you're like, I'll let you do that. I'll do the outro with you. And I'm like, hell yeah. 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 That sounds like a not so subtle invite. Yeah, man. Well, it's weird. It's kind of weird doing the outro because you haven't heard the podcast yet. Yeah. But, you know, we've talked before. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, you haven't heard this specific episode. Right. Right. I, I, I know like one or two uh plot points about this guy so yeah i'm a little in the dark about what you just talked about yeah yeah so we'll just skip all the stuff we just talked about because if you're listening to this you just heard that (laughs) (laughs) and we were talking about the weirdness of outros and how usually in a podcast like less people are listening to these sure yeah you know there's maybe three people (laughs) yeah exactly well for you three people out there listening to these mom uh, I mean, what? <laughs> uh, here's what I want to talk about, Brady. Um, I've, I feel like a lot of this podcast so far, just in general, we've done 62 episodes. I feel like a lot of it's been with the purpose of inspiring, you know? That's kind of been in your, in your head while you've been trying to find people to talk to week to week. You're trying to find inspiring stories. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's definitely one of the purposes. I want you to leave the podcast inspired and like willing to step up to some of the own your own challenges, whatever they may be. Um, and I want you to kind of like, because I know I've left these conversations thinking to myself, man, if that guy or that girl can do that and accomplish what they accomplished, surely I can accomplish, you know, my day-to-day, my day-to-day stresses. Sure. You know, yeah, well, I mean, we're all we're all just people. You know, everyone that's been on this podcast is just people. So these insanely inhuman feats that they're all doing, it's still within your ability to do those things too. Yeah, and because we're all people. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's I always find that inspiring about all sorts of podcasts. You know, is you'll since it's such a long conversation, you kind of hear the breakdown of how someone got to where they are today. And Mm -hmm. it just like opens up your eyes like, holy crap, like they didn't do anything crazy special. You know, they just worked hard. Um, Right. But I don't I want to take it the next step, though. You know, I don't want people just to just to be inspired. I want them to start building momentum. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure exactly how to do that through the podcast. Um, I, I think the, I don't know, that's a, that's a really tough question. <laughs> yeah. How do you create momentum through a podcast? Yeah. That's, 
I don't know, encouraging other people to share whatever the heck they're doing. But you, you do a great job of kind of recognizing the Facebook community that you're attached to and recognizing past guests yeah. on your page, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think, I don't know. I don't know where I'm trying to get to here, man. <laughs> like, I think the hard thing about that is like, cause I like, we can do the inspiring part by having all these awesome, amazing people on, but then the next mm-hmm. step really is not anyone else's decision, but you yours, you know, like if you're listening to something and you get inspired, that's awesome. Cause it fills that like inspiration piggy bank that you have, but you got to do something <laughs> with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, both your like th- your podcast as well as um, I mean Calvin's concept of the of the hundred day challenge is one of those things that yep. builds momentum pretty in a, in a really cool way. Yeah, something that you dedicate to doing like hundred days in a row. I mean, yeah, it's actually like a step by step kind of like start doing this, you know, cause you can say like, you can be inspired and you can tell people like, take the first step, but some people just don't exactly know how to even do that. You know, I don't know. Well, narrowing down your goals. Um, I guess if your goal is to make a million dollars, you know, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> there's steps. That's a big goal. That's a huge end goal, but you have to be, more realistic of like, okay, yes, that is an angle, but like, what are a couple steps that to start <laughs> working your way towards that? You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's an incredibly tough question to, to answer. First of all, you need to know what direction you want to go in. Like, what is it? For a lot of people, a physical goal, like running a half marathon, you know, running a marathon, Chicago Marathon this, this last weekend. I have a few colleagues that, put that out as a goal that they wanted to do. Um, and it's interesting. Some people after the fact <laughs> they could go, yeah, that was really cool. I don't like, I kind of want to see if I can uh, improve my time. And other people go like, I'm never running a marathon again. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to do that ever again. Yeah. And <laughs> like, I don't know why anyone would run. <laughs> like that is, I've had that conversation with uh, colleagues literally just today. Yeah. And so that person learned that running is not a goal of theirs. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so usually that momentum is one thing, but somewhere along like, yeah, you might get discouraged. And sometimes it, it, discouragement it can be welcome because it can tell you, this isn't actually something I want to do. It, I, the thought of it sounded cool, but the reality of making it happen is very hard. So I'm going to change my, my true north couldn't change, I guess. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Well, and just like sustaining, building the momentum and then, sustaining it over time is is it's difficult to do that and i think that's actually where the inspiration comes in for me where i'm like okay i have all this momentum now to continuously keep up on it and keep being uh moving forward i like to have like weekly doses of inspiration you know yeah i i've got different sources i mean podcasts obviously yours is a is an inspirational source like uh you've mentioned rich roll in the past he's a pretty good one the ultra runner podcast there's a few that i i've got connected to because of listening to years i guess yeah. um but then uh, yeah other personal stories i think now i'm watching what the iron cowboy does <laughs> so watching him as an example is pretty cool natalie larson just ran 
the entire <laughs> coast of California. Yeah. Um, that was nuts. It's crazy. <laughs> that, that was an incredible. Yeah, it was awesome to watch. Like these are, yeah, those are sources of inspiration. But on an actual day to day level, make putting a challenge for yourself out there and then trying to accomplish it. Like you have to create your own inspiration day to day to actually have it be. <laughs> Watching those things are great, but you have to actually provide your own in- inspiration day to day by putting out a goal and then trying to. Eat- meet it or exceed it yeah and it's it's funny because like you'll talk about that like in really vague terms because i don't know what people's actual goals are you know what i mean and so it's like let's talk about all this in vague terms but really i guess the big question is like how do you transform in just simply inspiration into action Mm -hmm. you know and it's hard to do that because you can't tell somebody to get their shit together and start, you know, pushing forward on some goals. Like they actually have to freaking do it, you know? Right. Well, and you've also only got, people are busy, man. You've only got so many uh, hours and and minutes in a day, so you can only spend your time on so many things. Um, So some people are insanely efficient with maybe their morning routine. I know Tim Ferriss is obsessed with morning routines. Travis Steffen has a legendary one at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. With being incredibly efficient with your your morning, so you get more done before other people are awake, kind of kind of deal. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, asking someone to slice and dice their day and then devote fifteen minutes it seems like a big deal to someone that doesn't feel like they have time in the day. So totally. Yeah. Well, I guess like I think that's that's a big challenge for a lot of people, and, and I, I think you probably have more time than you realize you have way more times than you realize and i want i just want people to kind of like marinate on that question this week i'm just bringing it up i don't have any solutions here guys (laughs) you know what i mean but like because i know what works for me and i've since and we were just talking about this on the phone since we've seen success like okay for you for instance you've lost all this weight over two years and you've gotten healthy like you've seen that success and you saw the process of it because you actually experienced the process of it you're able to apply that all over your life now and you're able to apply it to new goals but i guess i'm trying to like think about like if someone hasn't actually witnessed that or seen that happen for themselves yet how do they transform inspiration into actual action and I think that's, I don't have a solution. I think that's just a question I want to leave people to marinate on this week because I know for me personally, like I'm so inspired by Scott's story. I haven't been able to get it out of my head since talking to him. And I've used that inspiration all week to be really efficient and successful at the things I want to do, like waking up early. Every time my alarm goes off this week, I'm just imagining like, I'm like, oh, I want to go back to bed. And then I'm like, this dude in Antarctica is not going to have that option. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that gets me up out of bed. So I'm using that inspiration to move forward on certain things. And then like during a workout, I'm like, oh man, I'm out of breath. Maybe I should rest. And I'm like, he's not going to be able to rest. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I can't wrap my head around it. But it's it's pushing me forward on certain things. And I felt the same way when the Iron Cowboy was doing his 50 Ironman, Ironman triathlons in 50 states in 50 yeah, days. Every, every 
every day that you would wake up for 50 days. Yeah. You knew so he was starting a, or had already started. Yeah. Exactly. So, Iron Man triathlon. Yeah. So it was <laughs> so using any, the, any little complaint you had during the day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Your action would be don't complain or get your workout done. And your inspiration would be the iron Cowboy's still doing an iron man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's on like day 42. Like there's no excuse for me not to go to the gym and do pull-ups. You know what I mean? So that's how it's worked for me. I don't know. I'm just it's like, something I said, you've been thinking about clearly. And so, yeah, you want to use some of your outro here to yeah. talk about it for sure. And then the idea of this, which this is a whole nother topic, so maybe this will be another outro eventually, but like, how do you expand your capacity? You know, like I have a certain capacity for certain things. Like I have a capacity of the amount of stuff I can get done in one day right now. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. how can I, and like right now it's full, man. I'm like at full capacity of just getting shit done every single day. But how do I expand that? How do I make it? So I am able to actually include more and not feel overwhelmed. Hmm. Well, I guess if you're, you're, well, then you start, maybe you start journeying a little bit into, um, you know, mental health and mental wellness and meditation as a way of like putting your mind at ease. Cause what are you saying when you're talking about stress? What is stress? Yeah. It, you know, in that sense, if <laughs> So maybe that's how you can start working on capacity is being able to handle, uh, you know, the day-to-day mental stress in a more productive way as well. Or, you know, how you respond to stress can be productive and it can be counterproductive, you know. So some people can't deal with a lot of stress and you you might look at them and say, oh, they're not very tough or strong or whatever. But it's also maybe because they're handling that stress in an unproductive way that you're not aware of. That's like compounding the problem. Or like there are... How do you you increase capacity? Maybe you (laughs) increase your ability to handle stress. And I don't, you know, there's different answers for how you do that. For sure, man. These are just questions I have. (laughs) There's no answers to them. (laughs) I was like, you know what? I have some open-ended questions. I want to throw them out there. Uh, I didn't want to throw them out there by myself, you know? (laughs) Sure. Cause it would have literally just been me reading off questions. <laughs> so, uh, on that note, Brady, let's leave them today with, uh, with, a let's do a movie recommendation. Do you have any movie recommendations? This is completely just sprung on you. Any movie recommendations doesn't even have to like tie in to anything. just yeah have you have you (laughs) i don't know why i was like travis stefan does books maybe brady could do movies (laughs) but i guess not i guess the one movie me and you always talk about and i know you watched a bunch especially at the beginning of your journey was the barkley marathons one no i did watch that a whole bunch i i I like a documentary and i do like a a fitness kind of like behind the scenes journey of someone training and that kind of stuff too yeah um no, I like uh, here. Here's a movie recommendation. I love Into the Wild. Okay, it's one of my favorite movies. Nice. How about that, dude? That works perfectly <laughs> with the theme, man. Because what's more yeah. wild than Antarctica? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't. I just. I'm trying to even wrap my head around what the experience would be like to be 
where you're almost to the South Pole, but you're not quite there yet. But you're just looking around and you're like, like there's I'm as far away from civilization as I possibly can go right now. Hey, Chris, you know, at that 10 minute mark, we blew past. I know. I'm sorry. Well, I just I I just like, you know, I've talked before, like when you're on top of a mountain and even if you see a town in the distance, you're like, man, that town's pretty far away. Like if something went wrong, this would be quite the quite the journey to get to that town. Uh, Mm -hmm. Take that times like 10 billion for Antarctica. And (laughs) that's why, dude, you need to follow, man. Uh, Like I said, and we'll wrap up here. Antarctic Gurkha on Instagram. Scott's like just an amazing human being. And he was awesome and hilarious. And I'm totally looking forward to following his journey. And I know I'm going to use it for daily inspiration every single day. Oh yeah. So I'm excited to listen to it. Yeah, man. All right, Brady Manriquez. (laughs) All right. I won't put you on the spot for any more movie recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) I just blanked. I was like, I got, oh boy, I have no idea. (laughs) You're just the whole time, you're just like Anchorman. I don't know, like thinking like (laughs) dumb and dumber. Everything I came up with, I was like, I'm not saying that one. No, I can't say that either. <laughs> all right man uh you're the best brady thank you for helping me do the outro um guys if you have made it this far into the outro and you enjoyed it let us know or if you hated it let us know uh like a bigfoot facebook group would be a great way to communicate that uh the instagram would also be a decent way to com- you know what's funny brady last thing <laughs> really? Oh, God. <laughs> Whoever hold on is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, <laughs> I I always talk. I'm always like, hey, guys, make sure you leave us a rating and review on iTunes. And I say that mm-hmm. just simply because I've heard other podcasts say that. I don't know what it does. Um, it makes me feel good. You know what I mean? but that's it (laughs) like i don't know i don't know what it actually does just i think i don't think anyone knows what it actually does you know everyone just says it on the podcast but uh but anyways so yeah uh yeah so go ahead and do that meaningless thing guys (laughs) it's not meaningless though because it always makes me feel good so i like it All right. (laughs) all right guys uh that's gonna wrap up the podcast this week thank you for listening and uh brady You're the man. Get out of my face. (laughs) All right. See ya.